Welcome to everyone tuning in and thank you for joining us today. My name is Jillian Perkins. I'm the Director of Communications at Arnrich Messina, a Portland-based investment advisory firm bringing our unique and disciplined process and philosophy to high net worth individuals and families, nonprofit endowments and foundations, and corporate clients. Today, we bring you Tectonic Shifts in the Investment Landscape, Investment Trends to Watch for in 2020. So each year, we gather together our uh, research and analytical team to talk about what we see coming for the next year. What are the major trends in culture, economics, and politics that could affect the investment landscape? And out of that discussion, we compile our investment trends list. So keep in mind, these are not intended to be investment recommendations, but they are an interesting look into the potential future environment that investors will be facing in the coming year. So today I have with me uh, Senior Research Analyst Arthur Coyne. Hello. And Research Analyst Melissa Liu. Hello. Both from our research team to share their thoughts and insights on our investment trends to watch for in 2020. So just as a brief introduction, we call this year's list tectonic shifts in the investment landscape because as we look toward 2020, the pace of global changes is accelerating and the tectonic plates, so to speak, under the investment landscape are constantly shifting with these rapid changes. Last year, we talked about robotics and machine learning, and this year we've jumped to artificial intelligence and quantum computing. Last year, we saw the first trillion dollar companies, and this year we're seeing billion dollar IPOs, also called unicorns. Um, which have become a thing. So with potential political changes, definite technological changes, and the enormous cultural changes as the next generation takes control of the wealth, the political machine, and the economy, 2020 changes are likely to eclipse 2019 changes. So with that, let's start with our first trend, which is investing as politics. So what does this mean? Well, this is probably one of the biggest things that we've been seeing in the mm -hmm. past few years. There's been a sea change going on. Uh, people, citizens, investors um, have been seeing that the world's population has been rising and there's these huge inequalities and these challenges mm. that we're trying to face. And they haven't been seeing the kinds of results that they've been looking for coming from government's action. Mm -hmm. And there's been a disappointment. And if you look at the polls, people's confidence in government, whether it's Congress, the president, uh, you know, or even institutions such as schools and religion is at near all-time lows. And people are very concerned that the basic needs of humanity are not being provided for right. by these institutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's where we see a lot of private companies actually stepping in and making these investments kind of on the government's behalf, right? Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so as we move into 2020, we're seeing the idea that changing the world through the ballot box is kind of becoming not quite an antiquated idea, but it's just one tool in the toolkit. Mm. And people are reclaiming the power of using other tools, such as their economic power, their investments, to help bring into reality the world that they want to live in. Right. Right. So, you know, and we're seeing that not just at the personal level, we're also seeing this happening at the uh, national and international level where we're seeing more and more use of economic sanctions, tariffs, and even veiled economic threats. Mm. So while, you know, to wrap it up, you know, while we see there's a kind of a sad aspect of people losing faith in their government, we're also really excited to see people reclaiming their power through their economic activity. Great. 
Um, so along with politics as investing as politics, one of the major trends that we anticipate is seeing China in the news. And of course, it's hard to predict what's going to happen, um, but definitely some headlines around that. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think despite the very, very public trade war and the tension between the United mm-hmm. States and China right now, I think we can actually see the Chinese government actively opening up their markets for foreign investors. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're relaxing regulations. They're they're really concerted efforts to eliminate corruption and intellectual property theft, which has been a huge issue right. for the United States. Like Huawei, that was a huge deal. Um, and that tension, you can see the Chinese government act- actively trying to do something about it. I and mean, they've eliminated some quotas on foreign investors. Mm-hmm. They've really deepened their stock market. And this year, we saw the RMB-denominated bonds officially join the Bloomberg Barclays Global Aggregate oh, wow. Index. And it was in April of 2019. And so you can see these actual efforts mm-hmm. of China to make it available for foreign investors. Right. And, you know, with a population over a billion people, mm-hmm. that's an enormous opportunity. Exactly. It's not only like the one of the, the biggest country in terms of population, we see a huge millennial growth, right? Mm-hmm. They have the biggest population of millennials and they consume. They consume a lot. And so as China really transitions from a manufacturing to a service economy, it's a really big opportunity set for investors. Right. But, like, this is not to say we don't see headlines of actual political tension, right? Right. There's a lot of issues, especially in terms of the trade war, that have been coming up. And the deadline for a trade agreement and deal is coming up really soon, December 15th. I Mm -hmm. think that's, like, next week. Right. And our stocks are feeling that. Apple started this week pretty low because... Like Tim Cook says, it's 100% about iPhones and 100% about China. It's a huge deal. And so it's really important for investors to look at China from a long-term investment horizon. And also, I mean, in spite of that, make sure they diversify their foreign investments. Right. That seems key with having geographic diversification in order to take advantage of opportunities in China and in foreign and emerging markets in general. Exactly. Um, so the next trend that we want to talk about is we anticipate that we will see changes in what people invest in, but also in how they invest. Um, in fact, we're seeing some new investment structures emerge. So can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. You know, not many people realize, but that since 1996, the number of stocks listed in the U.S. public stock market has declined by about half. And why has that happened? Because companies have either merged or they've gone private. And this has led to a situation where investors who want to get high returns have to look more and more to Mm -hmm. private markets Mm -hmm. um, and to other less liquid investments. Mm -hmm. But those private markets, they're really hard to get into, right? Right, exactly. And and that's where interval funds come in because interval funds are a type of closed-end mutual fund that periodically offer to buy back a portion of their outstanding shares from the shareholders. So that gives investors liquidity, yet they still have the opportunity to earn the high returns that illiquid investments can offer them. So it's this great trade-off and getting the best of both worlds of uh, pretty good liquidity and good return opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, going to be make interval funds like a household Mm -hmm. word going into 2020. So greater accessibility for all investors. Yeah, exactly. It makes it available to everyone. Yeah. That's fantastic. 
So let's talk about our next trend, which is negative yields. So right now, almost a third of global bonds bear negative yields, not necessarily in the U.S., but across the world. What does that mean for investors, and what should they be thinking about in 2020? Yeah, you know, the idea of negative yields is really counterintuitive. I mean, who would ever willingly buy a bond, which is essentially like a CD, that knowing that they would get paid back right. less than their original investment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're essentially choosing to lose, right? Yeah. Right. Yet it's become the norm in Europe and Japan. There's now about $17 trillion worth of negative yielding bonds worldwide. Wow. Uh, but, you know, fortunately here in the United States, bonds are still giving positive yields, you know, roughly in the maybe 1% to 3% range. But, you know, taken in isolation, that seems pretty good. But once you factor in inflation mm -hmm. and you realize mm -hmm. that your purchasing power uh, you know loses about two percent a year to inflation you're treading water you're basically lucky to break even right. and get a zero return yeah it's like you make a two percent return in a year that you there's also two percent inflation right. that's the point of that exactly right? yeah and you know the worry is that if bonds can't even preserve your wealth it can lead to uh, loss of confidence in the currency itself mm -hmm. that the bonds are issued in. So that could turn out to be in 2020, a source of volatility, you know, currency volatility right. as, as people start to question the underlying currencies. Uh, so, you know, we see investors responding to that by seeking out like alternative capital preservation investments, things such as real estate, maybe hedge funds, or like we mentioned earlier, interval funds. Great. So there yeah. are some solutions out there as yes. we head into this dangerous territory. Absolutely. Um, so as we switch, switch to our next trend, this is sort of a hard turn into technology and the digital revolution. Um, last year, it was all about uh, automated vehicles and self-driving cars. And this year, we're looking at some even more major things like artificial intelligence and quantum computing. So with all of this technological progress, are there things that investors should be aware of or that they can expect in 2020? Um, some big headlines. 5G is rolling out. Right. Samsung had a huge 5G rollout this year. Um, and people think that Apple will probably be rolling out 5G around 2021, which actually did pretty well for their wow. stock when the analyst said that. Wow. Um, the Internet of Things. So basically everything on one platform, not really yeah. need to talk to anyone or like have any other companies go between. We see Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon. They're all really coming out with these products that make it. So you don't have to really go anywhere else. You see like Alexa, you see like the right. HomePod, you see, I think maybe that's what Apple's is called too. They all have very similar names. But the whole point is that you really don't have to go to another company to have the full experience. Right. So so is it all about just controlling the platform? It, it really kind of is. And this is especially seen when you see these big companies really buy small companies. Um, you see... Yahoo buying Twitch, which is a gaming platform. You see Google buying YouTube, a really right. popular streaming um, video net platform, and Facebook buying Instagram. So these companies aren't really just targeting our hardware per se. They're really targeting our whole user experience, right? Trying to make it a single use, like single streamless lifestyle, essentially. Right. And yeah. So so where do they go from there? Well, from here. There really is, this is where artificial intelligence really comes in. Like, we hear this word all the time, but it's actually not used that much intense, like right now. Like, artificial intelligence, we see that in our 
phones. So basically mm -hmm. our cameras are a little nicer, our Siri might work a little better. But as these companies start to make data, so they start making synthesized data, we, we're going to really see artificial intelligence become a huge player in the investment world, I would say, next year. Right. So wow. Is this all good or is like a downside to that? The downside, <laughs> there says, that's a huge thing, right? Cybersecurity is right. now the poster child. Of yeah. They have access not just to your banking, but to your <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Now they're making your data home too. security. Exactly. Um, well, it, like Arthur said, there's a really big downside. And so now there's an increased need for preserving this privacy mm -hmm. and information security. Um, we see a really a continued pattern of data hacks and yeah. data breaches like Facebook saw a breach of 540 million users data first American insurance had exposed 885 million dollars in financial records on public services wow. and so as data collection um, is becoming more and more like ubiquitous right that means there's a really great opportunity for securing yeah. this data yeah and investors should look forward to that Nice investment opportunities. So there's opportunities yeah, on both exactly. sides. Yeah. Really, exactly yeah. on both sides on yeah. the actual data creation and how to do that, right. but also protecting our personal private data. So one of the things with the Internet of Things and all of these high-tech changes, they haven't necessarily reached everywhere yet. And so our next investment trend is about rural areas. There's been a lot of focus on urban growth and urban development. Um, and now there seems to be a shift towards some of the areas that have gotten less attention over the last decade or so. So what are some of the opportunities that we're seeing in more rural areas of the country? Well, for contrast, like we've seen our big cities grow immensely, right? They've become so saturated and plagued with high costs of living that we're almost forced to look elsewhere. Um, rural communities are looking really attractive for investment right now. Mm. They really have lower overhead costs, but they also have extreme potential for growth. And so like you said, not all things have gotten to rural community internet, right. which is what we consider basically a, like an essential. It's not really a luxury, it's a, it's a need, it's a basic need. 30% of the United States rural population doesn't have access to broadband. Wow. 35% of the population in indigenous communities, like on indigenous land, right. they also don't have access to broadband. Oh my goodness. Exactly, it's it's a really big deal. Bernie Sanders, a presidential hopeful, he, he basically announced that he wants a huge billion dollar initiative mm -hmm. investing in internet for everyone. Wow. USDA just rolled out a huge, another billion dollar initiative. It's right. a big deal. And it's the government's noticed and private investors have noticed as well. It's not just internet. It could be like other forms of tech and also medical, healthcare. Right. Those are, it's all types of access that really makes rural development a really big investment opportunity, mm -hmm. but also I guess moving into rural communities yeah. is also a really big opportunity. Oh yeah. Um, so another important trend that um, we think we'll see next year is a return to fundamentals. So tell me why that is and what that means for investors. Sure. Well, you know, ever since the global financial crisis, the Federal Reserve's been stimulating the economy and providing money at a very low rate. And, you know, it's worked. U.S. stocks have quadrupled. Mm since that time. And a lot of the leaders in that cycle have been the really fast-growing technology companies uh, who've been nimble enough to like take advantage of the easy supply, that you know the cheap money that they can use. Um, and so in the past 10 years, nine of the ten, past 10 years, stocks have gone up. So there's been a lot wow. of like momentum building up in the market and a lot of exuberance over 
uh, this, you know, the idea of just continued, relentless, rapid growth. Right. And that's been very appealing. But lately, you know, in the last year or two, we've been seeing signs that that momentum and exuberance is starting to show signs of cracking. Mm. And in 2020, that may be the pivoting point where we see the tide turn in the other direction. Mm. Um, so, for example, like in 2018, uh, more than 80% of the companies going public in the United States, they were losing money in the 12 months going into their IPO. So that was like wow. a sign. That's yeah. a sign that things were getting maybe a little bit too frothy, right? Unicorns that we talked about right. before. <laughs> yeah, the unicorns, right. So like this year, unicorns, Uber, Lyft, WeWork, they IPO'd, but they kind of stumbled coming mm -hmm. out of the gate. It wasn't right. as successful as people had hoped. So... You know, going into this next year, then we're th we're thinking that pendulum will swing back, and mm. investors are going to mm -hmm. realize, you know, fundamentals really matter. You need to think about your profit margins. You know, is the company's government good? Is the management good? What's the strategic direction? All those kinds of fundamental things right. that really make a difference in terms of whether the company will be profitable. That makes sense. Yeah, not yeah. just like eyeballs, clicks, having <laughs> a flash right. Elon Musk hey, oh. demonstration of your new product. The fundamentals, like. Like Arthur said, we're really going back to that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So 2020, of course, is an election year. And so we can't talk about 2020 without addressing um, the election. Correct. This year's presidential hopefuls are floating some um, policy ideas that could have really significant economic repercussions. So tell us a little bit about what you're seeing and what could change the landscape for us even more. Oh, absolutely. This is a real big story because mm -hmm. things are much different now than they were 20 years ago. Uh, we're seeing, and, and studies are showing this, that the U.S. political divide is getting much wider, mm -hmm. and especially in this last decade or so, with the Democrats and Republicans taking really significantly different positions on, you know, basic issues of, you know, the environment, foreign affairs, social issues, economic equality, mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. Uh, Democrats' proposals, you know, going into 2020 are focusing things on such as, you know, universal health care, education, the environment, and critically, higher taxes on the wealthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you see Republicans really focused on just pure economic growth, deregulation, mm -hmm. conservative social issues, and a more foreign independent policy. Mm -hmm. So pretty mm -hmm. different. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, we think these ideological battles are going to make for a really exciting and pivotal election. But the question is, what should investors, investors do, do exactly. right? It's you know? right. exciting, but it's not fun to yeah. think about and, and, and it's kind of a binary event. So yeah. it, it could lead to some volatility, um, so at least in the short term, right? Right. And uh, so, you know, what do we recommend yeah. that investors do? That's the key question. And there's two big takeaways, I think. First is keep a long-term investor yeah. uh, perspective. Right. You know, that's, that's really... That's the goal. You're investing, most investors investing for the long-term, the retirement or some long-term objective mm -hmm. to stay focused on that objective. Um, and then the second is, you know, review your policy and diversification. Is your mm -hmm. portfolio well diversified for the purposes that you're trying to achieve? Right. And to do that, you know, to do those things, I think the key is to work with an advisor, yeah. get that help. Yeah, That's that a lot makes of information sense. to take in. Right. Yeah. So before we wrap up, are there any last thoughts that you have about 2020 and any uh, advice that you want to offer for investors as they look towards January? Oh, I'd say in January, um, you know, uh, 
just uh, delete this podcast and look for a new one. Because <laughs> exactly. <laughs> things can change a things lot between between I now. I mean, months and months, there's a lot of binary events yeah. between now and then. Mm-hmm. So That's everything true. will change. Think long term. Yeah. Thank right. you. Good point. Um, wonderful. Well, that wraps up our 2020 investment trends to watch for tectonic shifts in the investment landscape. Uh, I want to say a huge thank you to Arthur Coyne and Melissa Liu for sharing their insights today. Thank you guys for being here. Oh, thank you. Thanks. You can read the complete Investment Trends article and find more information on our website at arnrichmessina.com. And we wish all investors a very happy new year. May your portfolio strategy be thoughtful and disciplined in the coming year. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Arnrich Messina's podcast. Please see the podcast description for important copyright and disclaimer information. 